Thank you and Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> um, today we're going to continue in our study through the minor prophets or the Tre Asar with the book of Ovadia, Obadiah, as we say in English. Ovadia comes after Yoel and Omas, Amos, Amos. Uh, you have Hosea, Yoel, Amos, and then Ovadia. And Ovadia is a very short book, which may suit us this morning since we got started quite late. But uh, Ovadia is a very interesting man. So why don't we start with a little bit of background into Ovadia. We read about Ovadia in the book of Kings in chapter 18. If you don't remember right away what that chapter is about, it is about the day when, when Eliyahu gathered the prophets of Baal on the mountain of Carmel. But how did, how did Eliyahu gather them? He gathered them because the evil king Ahab or Ahab and his wife Jezebel ordered them to appear. You see, Ahab and Jezebel were evil in that they were persecutors of what was right and that they were the promoters of what was evil. They were the biggest patrons of the prophets of Baal and they were the ones who sought to destroy all the prophets of Baal, except for Ovadia who was very close to them, who lived in the midst of these evil people, but in the midst of a very evil community and household. Ovadia did what was right, and he hid a hundred prophets of the Lord in two different caves, 50 in each cave, and he fed them bread and water until the purge and eradication of the prophets of the Lord was over. Ovadia was a courageous man. One day Ovadia is walking along, and he runs across Eliyahu, and Eliyahu says, Introduce me to the king. And Ovadia says, What? Do you want to get me killed? The king has been looking for you for years. He's been going from country to country and forcing every country around Israel to search for you, Eliyahu, and they have undertaken solemn oaths to say that they could not find you. And now you expect me to go to the king and say, he's actually right here and he wants to talk to you. And by the time Ahab gets to you, You're going to have disappeared. The spirit of the Lord will have taken you somewhere safe and I will be killed. Eliyahu says, no, I will appear today before the king. And so it is. Ovadia arranges this meeting that will result in the prophets of Baal going on the top of Mount Carmel And it's a beautiful place. A friend of mine is uh, planning to visit it very soon. And another friend of mine, a mutual friend, was actually the architect of a large 
a messianic synagogue on the top of Mount Carmel, even today, run by or led by David and Karen Davis. Um, it's, it's an amazing place. And on the top of the mountain there, God was glorified. Ovadia had a crucial role in this. He had a crucial role in vindicating the name of the Lord. But there's something else that we don't normally think of when we think of Ovadia. is that he was actually, according to tradition, he was a Edomite himself. An Edomite meant that he was somewhat an enemy of the people of Israel. But instead of being an enemy, he had grabbed hold of God with both hands. He was one who worshipped the one true God. And so Ovadia is the one who speaks in this very difficult climate and brings a prophecy to the people of Israel. And it is a prophecy, a report from the Lord regarding what else but Edom, his own people. And he's going to speak about what the Lord is saying to Edom. And the people of Edom are going to hear it. Because, of course, Ovadia speaks their language. He has their connections. He's going to make sure they hear this message. It is not just for the people of Israel. And his message is one that speaks righteousness and truth. His message is one that speaks against pride. It speaks against grudges. It speaks for forgiveness. And it speaks for the judgment of the Lord God. And of course, in our Parsha this morning, Parshat Bo, we have already seen the judgment of the Lord against evildoers. The judgment of God that brings righteousness to bear. Now, we live in a world where we have many things for which we could be, have grudges. On the back of our bulletin, we have a, a little um, list of events that happened in years that ended with seven. 500 years ago, it's not listed, but 500 years ago, Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg. And we could be bearing grudges that since that day to this day, there is still the statue of a pig being suckled on by rabbis as a a picture intended to show that the Jewish people are degraded on Martin Luther's famous church in Wittenberg. It's a scandal. We could have, we, we could be angry. We could be angry at the things that have happened to us. And we could remember those things. We could think about 2016. And I looked up on UN Watch. And apparently 26 resolutions were passed by the United Nations General Assembly in in 2016. 20 of the 26 were resolutions against Israel Only three against Syria to the north, that is, conducting a a war that has resulted in the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people and and the mislocation and dislocation of millions 
of its population, foisting a refugee crisis upon the world right now that we are dealing with. There are injustices in the world. There are things that go wrong. And Ovadia is speaking to the people of Israel, and he is saying, here is Edom. They are bearing judges. Edom is the nation that remembers, just like we might remember Martin Luther in, in the year 1517. We remem- they remembered things from long ago. And they remembered when they lost the birthright. And you know the story between Esau, the father of Edom, and Yaakov, the father of the tribes of Israel. And Esau bore a grudge. And his people, hundreds of years later, were still bearing a grudge against the people of Israel. And sometimes we have grudges, and we may feel like Esau and Edom felt, that we have reason to bear grudges. We have reason to be angry at certain things. But the message of Ovadia is that we need to deal with those things under the righteousness of God and according to his righteousness. Ovadia chapter 1, there is only one chapter, verse 1. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom, We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations, saying, Arise, let us go up against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be greatly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who dwell in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, you who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? A message has gone forth, and the problem is clear. Adam is proud. Remember what happened when Esau went to the east. His sons all became princes. They became rulers. They were people who believed in rule by force, rule by authority. In contrast, the sons of Jacob became the heads of households. They became the heads of tribes, the ancestors, those who cared about community and other people. The judgment was upon Edom. It was a kingdom that was established based on authority. And it was based upon pride. They were proud because their cities were fortresses. They were proud that they stood firm. And the Lord says, Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be greatly despised. This is going to happen because... Nebuchadnezzar is going to come and he is going to conquer the region. It is a um, time of tumult for what we now call the Levant, the area around Israel. And Edom, that was so proud, is going to find that they are in reality nothing. Small among the nations. 
And we are reminded of what Yaakov says in chapter 4 and verse 10, where he says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And the answer, of course, to pride is humility. Here is Edom. They have an arguable case. It's a wrong case because God says it's wrong. The birthright belonged to Yaakov. God says, Yaakov, I have loved. But nevertheless, Esau is angry and has a judge. They do have a case, even if it's not a strong one. And they can hold on to their grudges, just like we can sometimes hold on to our grudges about other people. There are people we don't like. There's the police officer that pulled me over and gave me a ticket for speeding once uh, coming out of UBC. And uh, I remember to this day I was not speeding, but he thought I was. What can you do? You can hold a grudge. You can let it fester within. But in reality, it's something that passes, something that's not important because God calls us to be humble to set aside our pride, to let go of the grudges, the things that God might, or the things that we might hold on to in order to justify ourselves and make it out that we are right, that we have done the right thing. There are many other times I sped through police traps and didn't get caught. That's what I should be remembering. Be humble and thankful for the times or, or for the things that God has given us and for our blessings. In verse 6, the Lord says, Oh, how Edom shall be searched out, how his hidden treasures shall be sought after. All the men in your confederacy shall force you to the border. The men at peace with you shall deceive you and shall prevail against you. Those who eat your bread shall lay a trap for you. No one is aware of it. Will I not in that day, says the Lord, even destroy the wise men from Edom and understanding from the mountains of Esau? Then your mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed to the end that everyone from the mountains of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. This is the prescription of the Lord. The problem is clear. It is a problem of pride. It is a problem of holding on to the past. A problem of grudges. Something that we still face in our world today. Something that we still face in our own lives today. We don't need to look too far. In the Palestinian Authority, every time Israel celebrates its, its declaration of independence and its miraculous deliverance from the enemies round about that together and unitedly fought against it, intending to destroy it, on that day they celebrate or commemorate what they call the Nakba, the great tragedy. A tragedy brought upon themselves by not being able to accept what was coming and what had been decided by the United Nations, that Israel would be an independent, free Jew Jewish state. 
That is the problem, the problem of grudges and pride. The prescription from the Lord is this judgment. And we see that judgment continuing in verses 10 to 14. For violence against your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you. This is, of course, all flowing out of the Abrahamic covenant. God will bless those who bless Israel, and he will curse those who curse her. You shall be cut off forever. In the day that you stood on the other side, in the day that strangers carried captive his forces, when foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, even you were as one of them. Edom joined in against the people of Israel. Edom did what they could to make things worse for the people of Israel in the day of Israel's judgment. They were carrying captives captive. They were casting lots for Jerusalem when Jerusalem was to fall. He's looking ahead to this destruction. This is Edom's future. And this is God's judgment against them, that he will deal with them. He says, you should not have gazed on the day of your brother in the day of his captivity, nor should you have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor should you have spoken proudly in the day of distress. You should not have entered the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Indeed, you should not have gazed on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. They have done many things. They have spoken against Israel. They have gloated. And that is the key word in these verses here, in verses 10 to 14. Twice the word gloat appears. They are gloating over Jerusalem's destruction. They are gloating over Jerusalem's misfortune. And every time that or both times that Ovadia says, do not gloat, he follows it with three other words. The first time, after saying, don't gloat over the day of your brother, he says, don't rejoice over them, don't boast in their day of distress, don't enter the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. These are things that the people of Edom need to know. They must not do these things. The second time he says, do not gloat, he continues and says, do not loot their wealth. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his fugitives. And do not stand over his survivors in the day of his distress. And it's a reminder of what we see in the prophets in, in, the, in the book of Proverbs where we are told not to rejoice over tragedy when it comes even against your enemy. These are things that we, we need to inculcate in our own souls, that we care for those who are suffering, even if they have brought it upon themselves. And that's why, even though we are fully in support of Israel, Israel's justice in its cause, Israel's right to exist, Israel's right to be a Jewish state. 
We also have compassion and do not rejoice over the suffering that is happening to Palestinians in their Palestinian territories because these are people with mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and children who are suffering in many cases. We do not rejoice over the fall of our enemies. When we see someone who has done evil to us come upon misfortune, we don't rejoice over them also either. But there is also a promise. We've seen the problem. We've seen the Lord's prescription for it. He both prescribes judgment and he prescribes the right behavior for those who have been doing evil. The promise is the day of the Lord. And this promise is in verse 15. The day of the Lord upon all nations is near. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reprisal shall return upon your own head. We say things like it goes around, it comes around. Uh, abandoning the religious connotations. People now loosely use the word karma. If you do something, it'll come back to you. We, we understand there is a basic principle at work. The Bible says, what you sow, you will reap. It's a basic principle that different people enunciate in different ways. And we know it to be true. You, you bless other people. You live a life that blesses other people. And more often than not, other people will show their gratitude to you and bless you back. And But here, the people of Edom have done evil. They have been harsh against the people of Jerusalem. And so, Ovadia says, as you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reprisal shall return upon your own head. For as you drank on my holy nation, holy mountain, so shall all the nations drink continually. Yes, they shall drink and swallow, and they shall be as though they had never been. It's a judgment. But the Lord says on Mount Zion there will be deliverance, and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire and the house of Joseph a flame. But the house of Esau shall be stubble. They shall kindle them and devour them and no survivor shall remain of the house of Esau. I don't mean to get political, but um, my son inherited a book and it happens to be the Ark The Art of the Comeback by Donald Trump. And the amazing thing about this book is it is a signed copy by his step-grandfather. His step-grandfather had obviously bought it and been at a signing. And my son's going online and he's finding out this book is quite valuable. And, um, And people will pay a lot of money for a signed copy in good condition of The Art of the Comeback. So I looked at it and looked at the back. And, and he proudly says there had been times when he was in need and people betrayed him. And he said, now I'm having the, a great time screwing them to the wall, he says. He's having a great time getting his revenge, he says. But the scriptures say, don't seek revenge. 
Don't try to do that to your enemies. If someone has been evil to you, do not bring your own recompense upon their heads. Let the Lord do it. We see that in Romans chapter 12. Not to seek vengeance, not to seek revenge. Let the Lord do that. Because the Lord will bring righteousness. The Lord will bring deliverance. And as we see in verse 17, there will be deliverance. There will be holiness. Holiness because it is a people that is following the Lord now that has also accepted their own discipline and is seeking righteousness rather than revenge. And so the house of Jacob shall be a fire and the house of Joseph a flame. This is the day of the Lord. It is a horror to the Lord's enemies. But it is a joy and a blessing to his own people. It says a lot about how we ought to prepare our own hearts for the coming of the Lord. And we don't know when the Lord is coming. A lot of scholars say he could come at any moment. There are others, Arnold Fruchtenbaum is one, who say, well, there are certain things that need to happen before the return of the Lord. We don't know when he's coming, but certain things have to happen. There's enough disagreement that I can say I really don't know when he's coming. He might come at any moment. And I want to be prepared, and we all want to be prepared for the coming of the Lord. And we want our hearts to be right so that when he comes, it's a day of joy. It's a day of rejoicing. It's a day of holiness and a day of blessing rather than being one of those who is burned up by flame and fire. The territory is now addressed in verses 19 and following. And we see what the Lord is going to do. The south shall possess the mountains of Esau, and the lowlands shall possess Philistia. Now, actually, sometimes English translations obscure things. Because what we read in the Hebrew is that the Negev will possess Edom. And if you look at the map of Israel, the Negev is south of the Dead Sea primarily. And Edom is adjacent and to the east. And then the lowland is what we call the Shephelah. And the Shephelah is to the west of that. And if you go further to the west, you have the land of the Philistines. And he's saying this lowland, this Shephelah, will also possess what is adjacent to it, to the west. And the whole land will be possessed for the Lord. Benjamin shall possess Gilead, we read. And the captains of the captives of this host of the children of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zarephath. The captives of Jerusalem who are in Sepharad shall possess the cities of the south. There are many people who claim Sepharadic descent. Um, Sephardic Jews, and they are Jewish people typically who come from uh, homes that are outside Europe and, and typically from countries which have Spanish as their mother language, countries that are related to the kingdom of Spain, Sephardic, that is Spain. 
they will possess the cities of the south. Then saviors shall come to Mount Zion to judge the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. The Lord always justifies his name. He always brings glory to himself. He always brings to pass what he said he will do. Many of these words in the book of Ovadia have yet to be fulfilled. Many of them have not come to completion. But against the background of the other prophets in the Tre Asar, these 12 prophets that we call minor prophets, we see that the Lord is bringing about that fulfillment. And we might say, may it come soon, speedily, even in our days, according to the prayer. And we learn as we look at the Lord's judgment of others, as we look at his statements about Edom, how we ought to address pride and grudges in our own lives, and how we ought rather to be people characterized by, by forgiveness, by kindness, and by graciousness, knowing that God will bring to pass that which is right. And while we may not see it during our lifetimes even, justice will prevail. We have a just, living, true, and fair God, and righteousness will prevail. And the kingdom, as Ovadia says, shall be the Lord's. Amen. Let's pray. Avinu Sheva Shemaim, we thank you for your son, Messiah Yeshua, who will come and who will take his kingdom and sit on the throne of David, our king. And Father, we look forward to the day when his reign shall be a reign of justice. And we thank you for the mercy and the kindness that he has shown to us. And Father, we pray that we might be those who, in anticipation of that day of justice, might be those who at this time exhibit those same characteristics of our Messiah, mercy and forgiveness. We pray these things in Messiah Yeshua's name. Amen.